It's and, about time. And I've talked about Kevin Dillon a lot in my day. Whole lot. So, war. <laughs> Take it what away, is Lou. It good for? Absolutely podcasted. Very good. <laughs> the both of you, I applaud you for uh, yes. pseudo covering that, the band. that. Yes, exactly. Um, today we are covering. <laughs> Could you call it a seminal, like a, a seminal hit? I don't even know if that's uh, if that's proper terminology. We're talking about I'm the just, 19- yeah, go for it. <laughs> We're talking about the 1986 uh, blockbuster Platoon, Ollie Stone vehicle. Um, very excited. Uh, I I guess I feel like I, I don't know if you can call this an ensemble cast, but I'm going to because. Although, yeah. although the ca- oh, although a number of the cast members at the time were yeah, huge, nobody. there was nobody still a shitload huge. of people. <laughs> there was still a shitload of people in this movie, like across the board. Keith David, Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> Tom Berenger, our boy Elias Wilm, the folk Charlie Sheen. I mean, th- I there's there's so I many people, know. and I'm not even hitting all the 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 cast in in that by saying half that. Of them. Yeah. that. But that's I know. But that's what's insane about this movie is that Dudes. like. There's dudes. mad dudes, mad, mad dudes. dudes, mad heads mad up in this bitch, dude. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this is we're talking about platoon today. So I I it was it came to be my choice to pick something. I've it been wanting to do to to rewatch this for uh, a long time. Um, as we'll get into how do you, how do you feel? How, how does it make you feel when you rewatch this? Because uh, this is a real film. <laughs> Well, it makes me Real. feel good. It makes me feel good, and sometimes feeling good's good enough, right? In the, uh, in the, that was the wrong answer. That's well put. In the words of Elias, um, I know. No, I was I, like, "Yes, I love the reference," but this movie should make you feel like shit. No, this this movie this, <laughs> this movie, movie makes me feel like shit. This movie yeah. really it's depresses so good. me. Yeah, like it's it's so good though. Well, obviously. I think there's Everything, I think there's kind of about how it's put together yeah yeah but but it's depressing because it's it's so real as i was saying you know because it's so real it's it's a type of thing where it it takes essentially two routes in the movie like and this is something like so there i'll get to like something that uh mcginley had said uh i I found found a really good quote from him but essentially where this where this takes two routes in the film is like it talks about like how terrifying and how horrendous warfare is and how absolutely atrocious human beings can be to another be to one another while on the same t- in the same token it also talks about like brotherhood and like camaraderie and like it so yes, it kind of takes right. the, these polar opposites of like terrible warfare but like band of brothers you know and, and also like s- and civil war as well oh yeah, yeah. you know yep. yeah like yeah barnes and well, yeah, in in yeah. fighting, in fighting, basically. Um, yeah. you know, it's it. it but Brothers then, divided, but still against another thing. It's like gangs, it's still man. against gangs the common enemy. Gang wars. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, like I don't know, man. But to an extent, like they're pulling together, but then fucking some of them are killing each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, or at least fucking, trying to. Dude, who can you trust? Yeah, uh, an insane amount of like, if not quotable, just legendary lines mm-hmm. from this film that are just I don't know, they hit, right? They hit in all the spots, and uh, yeah, war, war, 
We're doing war. We are doing war. Is this so then, is, is this our first war movie? This is our first war movie. And when you were saying seminal, and I almost interrupt you because I wasn't sure if you were being rhetorical or not, but that rhet- rhet- rhetorical. But that's my bad. I was gonna say this is our like first mainstream hit. Was like what I would have said. This is our big Oscar winner. This is our mm-hmm. first one. Yeah. Yep. First award raker instead of having to be like Tombstone totally got nominated for something, right? No, no, not at all. But then this movie, all right. Awards galore, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just, hey, let's do a war movie. Everyone knows what that means in 2022. It means Oscars. Yeah. Right. All the time. So uh this is indeed well, I I don't know what else you could, you know, like Keith David, Quick in the Dead. That's not mm-hmm. like war, you know, but it's right. pe- people killing people. I think it's the closest, right? Unless I'm missing something. I think it's the closest like thing I would say. We don't, we haven't touched anything to this extent of like seriousness and everybody who was alive at the time in like 87 saw and knew about this movie, you know? And most people today still even know about this movie. It's a big yeah. fucking deal. This is like one of the greatest war movies to ever been made and i don't know if that's just you know because of how realistic obviously it was how we get into oliver stone like being in this story is about him Mm -hmm. basically he is chris taylor like yeah dude it's and and the performances from everybody having to go through boot camp and look like miserable fucks like pulling that so the camera is like being fooled by like how fucking upset and depressed that all of these characters are yeah it's it's real all right i don't know if that's what garnered at all these awards and appeal or not but just from watching it it feels like a realistic depiction of how shit would be and none of us were fucking alive in 80 87 right oh, lou almost just about I, yeah, I mean, I was a twinkle, twinkle. in my father's ball sack, but I mean, we're that twinkling was in some balls, and you know, um, sometimes you got to twinkle in the balls. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fucking hit, and I don't uh, I don't know when you guys first saw it. Yeah, Joey, now your family, obviously, for those who I mean are listening at this point, they're well aware that your family has kind of been important in, in kind of showing you films. Um, oh, yeah. but a lot of, but, and it's kind of like a lot of horror films, but just some of the, the, the classics, the staples, was this something that you had watched via NT, we know drama, like on cable, or was this something <laughs> that like your family actually like sat down and was like, you need to check this out. Like, Dude, how did you see, see this film? I definitely, it was definitely not one of those movies that was playing all the time. It was definitely one of the ones I saw on TV, like on TNT and shit like that, whenever it would play. By yourself. I mean, yeah, by myself. I used Sitting to watch in front a lot of the TV, of two yeah. feet away on the floor. Yeah, just like it's Charlie Sheen, man. <laughs> That's true. I always knew who Charlie Sheen was, pretty much. Yeah. Growing yeah. up with Charlie Sheen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chuck Sheen. He's everywhere. So, like, so were you? So, I, I, for me, it's like war movies. I was like obsessed with war movies when I was a kid. Oh, um, right, Luke. I was like obsessed. Saying a lot like, about the psyche right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> this I is really, why Lou is who he is, folks. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> I, I was obsessed with war movies growing up because a it was one thing. I know I told you before. Like I kind of explained how my dad watches movies. He doesn't. Yeah. But like this, <laughs> this was one of those that 
he did rent. We did get to rent together, and he sat down and watched it with me, and I applaud him for it because it's, it's an extremely long fucking – well, not extremely long, but it's a longer movie. And yeah, it's, it's the 80s, two hours, yeah. Two hours. Exactly. So, like, so it was – that always stuck out to me as being like, this has got to be good because he's sitting down for two hours and eight minutes or whatever the fuck it is and watching this entire thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, Start absolutely. to finish. So, like, as a young kid, like, of course, yes, Bridge on the River Kwai, the Eagles landed, Dirty Dozen. Like, yeah, I watched all oh, that shit. absolutely. You know, Green on Berets, all that shit. Exactly. Like, oh, you did watch Green Berets. Okay, cool. Yeah, can talk yeah about absolutely. That absolutely. So, like, seeing then this kind of, to me, was, like, the – as you had said, like arguably one of the greatest war movies like of all time. Like it just one ups all those other ones, or you know, purposely is trying to one up all those ones you just mentioned, essentially. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think that I think the one thing that that I would say is probably a better war movie, but I almost don't want to call the war movies apocalypse now. I feel like that's more oh, just like obvi- a breakdown. Yeah, it, it, it takes place during Vietnam, but it's not. I would, I would, I wouldn't. No, you're right. It war, it's like it's like psychological movie. or something. Yeah, you know? well, it's, it's it's the it's the stages. It's the breakdown of man when faced with combat and yes. like how that looks because you get to see the different faces of like horror and like war and what that does. Like, but anyway, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into like a fucking trench talking about that because Chuck I Sheen, not Martin Sheen. We're on correct. We're, on Charlie we're talking about his son, Charles um, Estevez, his yes. son. His son, um, Mike. What about you? When did you see Platoon for the first time, and I, and did it stick with you? Uh, you know what? That's a good way to phrase that because I saw Platoon when I was very young, and it did not stick with me. I was like, "Fuck this movie! Uh, it's really good, but it just made me feel like a complete piece of human garbage, and people suck." And we should be ashamed of ourselves and just all of that type of stuff. And like, for sure was not even aware of some of the most graphic things that happen in this, because I was like 10 years old and it's on HBO and uncut for sure. Like I saw it uncut and didn't know, didn't know a couple things as you know, we can gloss over quickly the Mm -hmm. most shittiest of human acts and such that, exist in this film and in real life unfortunately but i uh i got some tea to spill before i get into watching this more as an adult because uh this is this is some real funny tea that i don't usually mention to people too often i as one can suspect despised kevin dylan when i was a child because of this movie i was like fuck that guy (laughs) fuck bunny and mm-hmm. like, this is also three years before Entourage has even started, and didn't know who yeah. he was, and pretty much thought he was Matt Dillon, and <laughs> didn't like wasn't you know wasn't like yeah same dude from something about me or something like I just shithead in Platoon who sucks as like <laughs> pr- pretty pretty much like with every character that sucks in this movie though like it was the same thing with Tom Berenger. I didn't like Tom Berenger for so long until my like 12th rewatch of major league where I'm like, all right, fuck it. Oh, you know? really? Yeah. Yeah. No, Damn. for sure. See, I, see, me as a see, kid, like, dude, I saw if this you right around the same role, time as like fucking sniper. So like I was obsessed no, I with not, the movie sniper. Like I that. love that. No, nope. Big chill and major league are the only two movies I knew Tom Berenger in until he did inception. 
Wow. Oh, yeah, and Platoon or whatever. I just... Yeah, no, no, I got you. I got you. Yeah, but that was... That's what I mean. Like, this is literally, like, fifth, sixth grade Mike. Like, if you played that person... And it's why I still dislike Jared Leto to get into some Forrest Whitaker. Saw Panic Room. I was like, this guy sucks. Dwight Yoakam. Fuck yourself. I hate you. Go die. (laughs) It was... That was how it was. It was like, I know that they're actors, but I don't like them because the role they played is a scumbag piece of shit. You know? Like, I couldn't see them in another role as like character actors basically so mm-hmm. let's fast forward now to like three years later where, where i have not rewatched platoon but was up late one night watching on my shitty tv where i got one hbo channel and i see the fucking dude crazy fucking some asian lady and it's like almost pretty there and i'm just like the fuck show is this this looks I'm, this looks cool I like sex. I'm in sixth grade. Sex is hot. You know, <laughs> ladies attractive. I see your boobies. Uh, turns out that was season two, episode six, Chinatown of Entourage and started watching that show. Got about five episodes through the first season and was like, I was wrong about Kevin Dillon. I absolutely love this person. He's the greatest actor to ever exist and no one gives him credit for it. And that, and that was pretty much where it went from there. I still didn't watch platoon for years, but knew he was huge in that. I watched the doors, you know, I probably watched a W in theaters, shit like that. Wall street, obviously didn't go back to platoon. Cause I knew how serious it was. And then probably like five years ago, it was on Pluto or something again. And I've, probably seen it in full like seven times since Mm -hmm. then in the last couple of years i remember telling you guys like a year or two ago that it was on pluto and i would just turn it on and it was like oh i can't stop watching this once i turn it on it's Mm -hmm. it's an addictive like depressing type of just aggressive like full force movie with amazing performances from everybody and just fucking Mm -hmm. swapping you hard with that realistic (laughs) portrayal of war war fucking war man dude it's like movies that sucks you right into it man like right from the get-go pretty much dude it sucks me right in and it's still like depressing yeah you know it's just there are movies like that even you Mm -hmm. though you know what you're getting into sometimes you you mm-hmm. see everybody deteriorate throughout the movie. It's crazy, like, and you just like you feel like you're with them, and like you know, I know, like, dude. You, you do feel like you're with them. That's why that fucking boot camp, man. Yeah, that fucking boot camp for two weeks of all these motherfuckers to try and make them miserable, you know, miserable soldiers. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they were there, like they were in the shit. It shows yeah. on camera. The day the boot camp was done, they started filming, and everyone was like, "I'm dead." I'm beyond sleep deprived. Like my all the bones ache. Oh, it it brought such natural performances out from everybody. Yeah, well, and, and like... all of them go on and become you know household names. Pretty much, you've seen well, one of these guys in something else. Like every single one of them. Think about Johnny Depp in this baby role. Uh-huh. Goes on to then be the biggest star out of like any of them. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean you know Charlie Sheen eventually becomes the highest paid guy to ever like be on TV, but you fucking see that coming from this, what, as you called ensemble cast, you know, like the, a dozen plus of these guys are going to be huge movie stars. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like this award, like, you know, magnet of a movie seriously propelled all these dudes. And, you know, some of them literally went and did nothing afterwards. This is like the only film they were in. 
dudes right. with dudes with fucking character name or like you know t- high billing in this movie that's it fucking Ra- raha or raj or whatever you know literally never did like another movie <laughs> that's it this is the only thing that guy's done well it's the one thing i wanted to mention before we move past it because you had said like basically like they look tired and like beat up and shit like what always blows my mind about this especially like going back during this rewatch and like preparation for this episode is that it's like they were specifically like kept, you know, in similar conditions. They were oh, not yeah. overfed. They were not staying in trailers because they filmed in the Philippines. So in like Philippines. they 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 wanted this to be they wanted essentially the actors to be going through what their characters would be going through to the best of their ability. Oliver, um, man, he wanted it, them to feel. He what wanted he it felt. to be exactly, and and that I think is another reason why. You know, when it comes down to like, you know, this getting so many awards and being heralded as, as you know, one of the greatest war movies of all times, because this wasn't just like, well, Keith David's walking from his trailer. He just took a shit in a nice <laughs> warm shower. It's like, no, these these dudes are sleeping in tents or yeah. whatever. They, they had the elements, man. It's very right. it's very there. Like you can tell just from watching this. Yeah, everyone looks fucking super beat and sweaty, fucking yeah, I glistening. I didn't know like, half this shit about it before, like, I got into Entourage and started learning about Dale Die and shit, you know? Like, I didn't know any of that for years and could tell when I first watched this movie that, like, everyone's miserable in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is abundantly clear. <laughs> I mean, and like, it, Willem Dafoe's hair is still perfect somehow, but everyone's miserable. That's, you know, that's about it. It's that just wa- thing, that greasy wave, like, well, yeah, you, he's not washing it, so it's got the natural juices and shit in it. That's yeah. bullshit. Someone was doing his hair. They're sneaking out of fucking foxholes. Like, here you are, Mister Defoe, and then they just fucking <laughs> spruce it up for five seconds, and then they disappear. As not wait, sorry, that was Tropic Thunder. My bad, that was Tropic Thunder. Very similar, similar. So, lots of pop culture does look pretty good. No, his it really. I mean, compared to most does. of them, like when you see it on. Uh, you know, like when it, they're in uh, good weather or something, like when it's not raining in those scenes and shit, you know, and they're just hanging out. It's very put together for dude out in the Philippines in war, war times, <laughs> mm-hmm. doing war, experiencing war. And uh, I don't know, man. I was just going to say how uh, I was joking that I was like, there's a lot of a lot of parodies that have come out of this where a lot of people who've never seen platoon or have heard of it might recognize things because it has been, uh, you know, it's been weird allified in something else. And one of my favorites is for sure. Hot shots part do where the, the overlapping monologues from Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen in apocalypse now, like Mm -hmm. just cut each other out and then they drive by in the boat and they're both like, I loved you at wall street. It's just the, stupidest thing so funny and i but it's so true because it's like apocalypse now came out before this obviously but oliver stone was like in the shit before apocalypse now was a movie so you know like who thought of this idea of like journaling what they're doing or writing home and having it be uh an over monologue and just like also are some very powerful words you know like Mm -hmm. uh the the whatever the whatever it is is uh is why this place is hell like it feels like hell mm-hmm. we're all we're all waking up in the shit every day yeah i know that shit's deep but it made for a funny parody in that movie and uh also tropic thunder 
Oh yeah, <laughs> famously, famously, <laughs> Tropic obviously, Thunder. Tropic Thunder rips off the 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 real the Willem Dafoe part. That's like you know the real picture of war. Mm-hmm. Like one of the most popular pictures from a war is just him like him ripping that part, and then Tropic Thunder completely <laughs> tug speedman. I can't feel my legs. It's because they're in this puddle. Oh. <laughs> what's, what's insane about that about that sequence too like in the movie is like i love when they pan over the tree line and like basically they're like yeah you know there's elias and they're like go back down there a man's still down there and you see like the wave of humans that are chasing him it's fucking just like unreal because like the, yeah, what, no what i think blew me away what blew me away about that scene is like up until that scene the Viet Cong were bathed in darkness you know, you're seeing them at night, you're seeing the silhouettes of them, and then that's during the day. So yes. you're seeing all of these people. So, like, in, in, in the, the final sequence where they're actually battling at night and shit like that, there's the assault on, like, the hill or whatever. Like, Yeah, the very I think last that, one. Mm-hmm. That's another time that you get to see kind of the, the sheer number of the, the Viet Cong, but, like, that sequence where they're chasing also Elias. Night, yeah, like, so that's the only one during the day. That's the only one during the day, and it's just, like, you know, again, to, to go through this whole thing, you know, as as they had uh, turned the Viet Cong, it's like the man in the black pajamas, like a fuck worthy fucking adversary. Like you never knew where they were. They were very sneaky. And yeah, it's sneaky. like you could you could never really gauge what their their full force was. And their Elias numbers was trying to like copy that, you know, he's trying exactly. to like match their fucking game plan. And a lot of the other guys weren't. He understood mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Still didn't make it out. Yep. Numbers. He, he, yep. It's crazy. I I just I really liked how they pulled that scene off because yeah, of, that's uh, again up until that whole point, it's like I you know still watching it again. It's like I never fully understood. It's like holy fuck, there's a lot of these motherfuckers, and yeah. I don't get to see this until this point. And then obviously the again as I had mentioned, like that that sequence, that whole like assault uh, at night on the hill. Um, mm-hmm. That's just mad. That's just fucking madness. Yep. You know, yeah. like just madness. absolute chaos. Yeah, a situation Dale Dye uh, talks about being a part of. Mm-hmm. He had a that's that's his scene. That was like something he recalled when he was he was over in the Vietnam. Mm. Just onslaught, just numbers, man. Can't and like, dude, the flashes of light, and then like they're running up on you, yet being sneaky, just like you said, you can't see them, and then suddenly they're there. Like it's it's fucking like war is scary have we said war enough war war why can always... we be friends you know war that whole... yeah during that during that scene too at <laughs> night it always creeped me out when i was a kid mm-hmm. watching so you know how there was like there was like the commander who was way back and he was calling he was basically called like kind of directing everyone Ollie? um no yeah yeah yes yes yep. Ollie. It always it always creeped me out Ollie that got like blowed up. <laughs> he's he's like he's standing there and he's watching one by one as his batteries basically the line is collapsing, and and remember they're like at one point they're like fall back fall back and he's like fall back to what there's nothing fucking here like I'm calling in the fucking airstrike or whatever yeah like that right. to me just like is is terrifying because it's get, like get suicide you, bombed you yeah you are from the top of your post 
you're calling, you're basically directing all of these units, yeah. right? And you're having them stand, and you're slowly just watching that collapse. Dude, and there's, there's like a that shitload of people. Naked guy outside that, like, one of the Viet Cong just runs right by him, and he's just like, "What the fuck are you are you, are you doing?" It's like mm-hmm. it's like their home base where they're not supposed to be getting fucking mauled mm-hmm. to death. Yeah. So when that suicide bomber runs in there too, and then it shows you like, "Oh, that's the guy making all the calls." Nope, not anymore. Fuck. Not no more unsettling is it unsettling for you joey or you just like nomming your popcorn eyes wide (gasps) yeah it's 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 pretty crazy man this whole movie seems like that and just yeah gives off that vibe yeah (laughs) joey did you guys watch did you guys watch a a lot of war movies or were they not typically uh you know is that a tertiary genre for you it's just not something we ever watched that much to be we watch a lot more horror movies and just like comedies and stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah. As as have we. I do I do really like war movies though. And I don't I don't watch them enough. It's just like Yeah, I wouldn't some, say I'm just, obsessed. movies that always go mm-hmm. under my radar for some reason. Hmm. Never really watched them that much. Well, this one won a lot of awards. I agree. So clearly only, it's good. Yeah, oh yeah, it's good. I definitely <laughs> I've only seen it a couple times. Like yeah. uh probably like two or three times or something like that. Yeah, really until the last few years I hadn't seen it more than like once or twice. You know, like in passing, maybe here and there, like bits and pieces of it are on or bits and pieces are on TV or some shit like that. I catch mm-hmm. yeah, but not like a serious sit down. Where no. I have the last few years, it was just like, oh man, I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta feel like shit. This was definitely just one of those movies I've always seen on like TV. I've never actually watched like the whole like full like. Dude, I know. Thing, you know? Dude, Saving Private Ryan was always on TV, and it was like yeah. four hours long, and it was insane. Or maybe not. I feel like that's a longer movie than this, though. And it would just be insane when it was on TV with commercials. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, there's this sick part where this guy's head like blows up right next to him, and then they don't show it, and you're just like, <laughs> wait, what happened to the head? I never saw brains do that before, bro. <laughs> Holy fuck, yo, turtle, you check out this dude's brains, dude. They're all over the fucking butt of my gun. <laughs> oh my god, dude, what a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> it's what's crazy to me about like his character is that he, like. You know, remember there's that sequence when they're Loves showing both they're, oh. they're showing both barracks, and it's uh, like basically yeah, where, yeah, Elias is, where Elias is, where Elias' crew, crew is chilling, yeah. and then there's like Tom Berenger's crew, and it's like, like that, it, it's yeah. so it's so different, like how stark, you know, like <laughs> where the, the inside fuck is like, everybody, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah they're and, all doing that, that dope. <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers eating beer cans and shit like it's just like it, yo it's, he does yeah he does so that crazy to he me. knows how to do that that's the thing you got to find the seam that's what he says he's like if you don't want to lose your teeth you just find the seam in your seam and you rip it it was real easy for him i'm glad that it was easy for him because <laughs> i'm never gonna try that no <laughs> you're not I feel like i feel like if i did that i just kept my mouth open like so bad yeah, yeah i imagine that, like that would like, just 
the first no. scene in like the nice guys when Ryan Gosling like breaks through the window, but then he cuts his wrist <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh oh, and then it starts really bleeding and he just falls over <laughs> and he's in an ambulance all of a sudden. Yeah, that's what I feel like would happen to me. That's exactly sure. what happened to me. I would just fall over like Something fucking. So oh simple. my god, blood shit. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a movie, so like yeah, this should be a no brainer. I'll just crack this window open, everything will work out fine. Instantly falls to shit, you know? Yeah, that's us when we try to be Kevin Dillon. <laughs> Mm, only yeah. Kevin Dillon can be Kevin Dillon, but uh, I do. I I'm with you, Lou. There's a there's a real difference that they want to let you know. Like these guys are part of the overall same platoon, what have you, but squads. You know, correct. Yeah, and and and, and, uh, and you know, just like mental games with each other, etc., or just like dominance. Well, think about, it, right? think about it. Think about it. Think about it. One group of sexism, all that. Think shit. about it. Think about it, though, because this is a, this is a larger picture about like the archetypes that exist within each one of those squads. Yeah, exactly. you have like Elias's squad. They're all listening to music. They're doing drugs. They're hanging out. They're being very, very jovial. And what the, we would be doing. Correct. And then you go to fucking you go over to Behringer's squad's tent, and they're like they're drinking and they're playing cards. Playing they're cards. doing something that's mm. aggressive. I want to take this from you. Yeah, cards yeah. isn't aggressive, but who's, it's the gambling. Who, who's winning? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's taking all it's my fucking, fucking money. It's a fucking dick swinging you know? contest. Yeah, dick so swinging, it's like that's yeah, exactly. So dude. it's 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 very interesting <laughs> that they were able to capture kind of both and then of those Mark mentalities. Moses, Lieutenant yeah, <laughs> dude, what a fucking dink. He's hey, a dink, dude. dude. <laughs> oh my god, fucking military man. I love I love how he how they portrayed his character and and how he was just like n- nobody nobody respected him, but they had to because because of his rank. But he knew his place by the yeah, end. By perfect. the end, he, he knew purpose, purposeful or uh, how do I say this <laughs> purposeful perfection? You know, they wanted that to be like the guy from military that should not be going by the books. And has to learn the war is subject subject to change. You know, it's like baseball. You got to deal with what you're presented with and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. figure out the best route. You can't just go by the book all the time. You're going to fuck over your men and lose the numbers. Because on paper, what are numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. And then and then it's happening and fucking Behringer gets in his face, you know, and that's when you see like this guy's never shaved in his entire fucking life. Look at that little baby face. Fuck. <laughs> His haircut just, is all precise still for being exactly. there. Like, dude, yeah. Like, that is what we were... That is what I looked like for four years of high school and everyone else that went to that high school with me. That was it. <laughs> That's literally, like, the picture they showed us of, like, this is okay. And then Keith David was, this is not okay. <laughs> you should not have a wooden tooth. Dude. Or whatever. No. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> Or whatever that is, I'm I I'm guessing it. Bronze. It's, it's, it's not. It's got to be bronze or, yeah, or brass. <laughs> brass tooth. Jesus, dude. I don't know. It's not gold. That's just great though. He's dude. He's like in legendary form in this movie too. This is like a character to show how this guy's gonna go on and be a character actor in like every movie he's ever done. I feel like this is the perfect start of like, ladies and gentlemen, Keith David. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets to use his <laughs> he gets to use his voice, which is oh, key. like it's not like he's just on screen for a minute or for one scene, which he does all the fucking time. Steve Buscemi, you know, character actors, man. 
it's their thing, but he he gets like he gets good scene time here. He's got a couple where it's like just him and Chuck, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really that's one of the things where I can find like the silver lining going back in this. Around like ah, keep David still fucking great though. This is just like go on and do things from here, my man. I don't Dude, care even... if it's voicing a superhero or or what, but you do it. Being the <laughs> being the dad and something about Mary. <laughs> Hey, even even Force Whitaker, whose eyeball was still somewhat straight, got like you know he yeah, got his dude. scenes in the movie. He was doing his dude, like the Butler was there, man. Fucking Last King of Scotland was showing up. He was for sure doing his <laughs> thing. Still, he it like was. goes on, he goes on to be like leading man though. Keith David, like in this film, this is what he then has gone on to do f- for thirty five years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Like, yeah. like Forrest Whitaker goes on and like comes leading man, like wins wins lead actor awards and shit, you know, where he is the eighth person on the call sheet in this movie, you know. Mm-hmm. I I still agree. I obviously agree with what you're saying, but I was just trying to get out the point of like Keith David in his character actor form is on full display right from the get go. He comes out a fully realized like character actor in this movie. He's totally fine with being like seventh on the call sheet and is just like, and is, and is doing it while being, you know, tired as shit from boot camp and living in the Philippines, not stepping out of that nice trailer, taking a shit on a heated fucking toilet seat and whatnot. It's got a, <laughs> got a bidet for sure. You know, they got bidets in there. Yeah. No more wiping for them. This is just a little Filipino lady, like going up at you from underneath the, the hut. <laughs> How gross! How I gross were those three. fucking? Oh how gross God. were those poop pots that they had to clean? The poop pots are Dude, yeah. That, that's that one of the scenes the I was thinking job. of too, where it's just that, them and uh and the other fucking dude. Yeah, how do we always oh. get stuck with this shit? Dude, hilarious, <laughs> hilarious, literally. And then you get and then uh yeah and then it and then that's pretty much when it it cuts to the to the two fucking crews. So that's a mm-hmm. that's a good way to. Start off the fucking shit. I mean, guys want to fucking nail some of your favorite parts or I don't yeah. know, discuss back end shit. Where did this is this is where we where we jump jump yeah. into whatever. I think we've gotten all the all the usual segments. You yeah. Know, when no. we saw this movie. I so think yesterday. I, <laughs> I think I think one of the things too that like I really appreciate about like the pacing of the movie is like as we mentioned a couple times now it's like it's definitely a little over two hours, but like as the film progresses like so when he first lands Vietnam and like the soldiers are passing each other and you see like Charlie Sheen in his stupid fucking clean hat and looking oh, yeah. real looking real something yeah. well, moderately rested and Lots then you see with the dude who like the really heavily weathered you know him. carved face exactly his and like future. throughout that whole throughout this whole movie like as he gets slowly more comfortable like remember they're like you know you got to you're basically counting that down the days until you are are getting your leave or yeah, your tour shit, ends or whatever the moving scene that's what they're saying while they're doing that is like you got to look at it positively like find the positive in it or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true, man. I can just, just go for lots of things in life too, though. PMA, baby. Positive mental attitude. Oh, shit. Gets, gets you Look through life. Look at that PMA. soggy brain. Soggy old brain. 
It's just it's it's very interesting that like basically by the end of it, it's like you know Sheen has has basically morphed into a version of Elias. Elias, exactly. Um, and that's I, I just I find that to be very well. So so maybe though, he, because he did kill Tom Berenger. He so did like, kill Tom Berenger. Did, did he tur- did he turn into Elias or not? You know what I'm saying? Because Tom Berenger killed someone else as well. And that was the whole struggle. It's like, if I do this, I'm no better. I'm no better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I know. That's always... Dude, every time I watch this movie too, I, in the moment, it's so, like, intense that I honestly forget what happens. The moment or two before it. I swear to God, it's always one of those, like, oh, wait, does he actually kill him? You know? Mm-hmm. That's because I, just, I, I feel I'm like so in the movie by that point. I feel like like I I feel the same way because this is just like one of those movies that also has something like going on the whole fucking time. Like there's there's always like someone talking to each other. There's either gunfight fight or happening. There's either bombshells flying overhead. There's somebody getting shot in front of you. There's just so much going on. Where they're it's just always like, yeah. How do I pay the story attention forward. to every scene and just remember the whole thing? You know. Yeah. Right. It's just it's always just, moving forward. Yeah. It, it's a it's war. <laughs> Fucking there war, dude. Yeah, there it is exactly. Again. Spill the wine, <laughs> dig that girl. You know, war. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just fucking uh it's it's crazy. I mean it's, yeah. it's so good. I even th- sometimes even when Tom Berenger's on top of Charlie Sheen, like the minute before that, I'm always I'm kind of sometimes like, oh wait, does he, he doesn't kill him, you know? The one yeah, thing is, I remember like, Charlie Sheen makes it out, obviously, but like in that brief fucking moment of just being wrapped up in a cinematic adventure that's fully pulling like all of your attention because it's great and that's what movies are supposed to do, obviously. I really do forget where I'm just like, wait, he doesn't die. And then same thing with the next morning or whatever, you know, two minutes later when he's holding the gun on Behringer, I'm just like, wait, does he fucking kill him? And it's so quick. Like, but that's blah, 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 so blah. that's 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 kind of what like again we talk about like the differences between like the two squads and like their archetypes and like what they represent as far as human beings are concerned, and that's why I, I pose that question. It's like yeah. when he kills mm-hmm. Berenger, it's like is he <laughs> truly better than right? Is he Berenger or not? Or is he's he the Elias same at that point, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what he's I no mean. Better, he's no better than Berenger's like crew and that mentality. And it's like, I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's avenging, but it's like you know, at the same time, it's like he killed so he killed fellow man, but not the enemy. It was exactly. the enemy. It was the enemy, but it wasn't the enemy. I know. You know, like it's just this weird. It just kind of fucks with me. Where and I think it fucked with him too because that's why it took him a second. He didn't just walk up to him and shoot him and like fuck you. Remember, there's oh, that tension nope. between he the two. Specifically, fucking do it or whatever. Again, he specifically asks him, and that's what I'm gonna say is this guy asked him to kill him on multiple occasions. Is he just doing him a favor? Hello, why don't we look at that with some <laughs> optimism? This was the yeah, 80s. That's true. That's one way to put it. That's that's friendly euthanasia is what they call that. Yep. <laughs> friendly so, euthanasia. Yeah, I mean he's still a co-conspirator, you know. That's still uh a, it's your friendly neighborhood euthanasia. <laughs> oh my god, friendly neighborhood. Yeah, yeah Kavorkin got arrested for that. So I don't think that that's that's still frowned upon these it's days upon, unfortunately. I know. This was the it's like 80s. masturbating on an airplane. Yes, yeah. this was uh, <laughs> the um, 80s, but about the 60s. Exactly. 
it gets convoluted sometimes up there. There's a lot of numbers and times going on here for our, uh, you know, less educated uh, listeners. But we love you all the same. Okay, mm-hmm. we love you. How 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 scumbaggy was fucking McGinley's character? No, McGinley is that. So I'm glad that you went to that because I I don't think like he's the worst. He's not being the, I, out of I just, all of them. I just, no, I just no, no, said no, he's no, douchey. No, 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 no. I'm trying to. I'm not. I'm not great with adjectives sometimes. So I'm trying to get my point across by saying I don't think he's the worst. But I think like I think he's the most like two faced bitch out of all of them is what yeah. I think because he sucks up to anybody basically. And then when they ask him to do something, he fucking pouts every single time. Like he would be the kid. I would be sick of hanging out with on the playground in my grade because fucking wants to be included and loud mouth and wants to make all these dumb fucking jokes, but he's just sucking the dick of the guy above him and like is a little bitch whenever push comes to shove every single time. Like you think he's getting fucked at the end of the movie there? Like like dude, you you paid for that, man. <laughs> you hid. You hid and didn't fight alongside your fellow man and so you came out okay and so because you're okay now. Yeah, exactly. You reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm like mentally mm-hmm. like the way Berenger acts how he's like the worst like he will literally kill people, you know. That's another story of what I meant with McGinley. I think McGinley's character is just a little bitch, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Besides Mark Moses being the type of bitch he is, he is the biggest bitch, I think, out of the whole crew. That was what I was getting at. And McGinley's fucking awesome. And seeing him play a character like that, dude, like, that never happens. Dr. Cox. (laughs) Yeah. No. Talk about playing against type for, like, so many of these actors in this movie, and especially at that time. It's insane, especially just like Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe. Always yeah. playing the exact opposites of what dude, the green fucking goblin is the nice dude in this movie. Like mm-hmm. when he smiles seductively at Charlie Sheen. I mean, I got a boner, but when does that ever happen with <laughs> Willem Dafoe? Usually, you, usually it's like, look at that fucking face, like wild at heart. You're like, that's the ugliest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. And then Tom oh. Berenger's fucking baseball player, football star, movie, TV, whatever he was in the big chill, like cool guy, you know, not mm-hmm. psychotic killer. Yeah, man. Fucking shit, dude. <clears throat> Against type. Good actors is what I'm getting at here. And just the two of them are some of the biggest actors out there that have yet to garner a Oscar for their performances. And both of them were nominated in this movie. So, you know, let's just let's find something for Berenger and Defoe guys. All right. They've done their time. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a W. Let's give him a statue. Give him give that him, dubs. Give him that Oski. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get it for this movie. I don't know what they're <clears> up against exactly. I couldn't look up and forget, you know, didn't look up the entire year of 87 or whatever. But uh still just yeah. McGinley, everyone, lots of other guys. Mm-hmm. Jo- Johnny Depp being a translator. Yeah. 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 Has a guitar so- in the one scene. Dude plays guitar. In with real life, uh, you know, it has a band, yeah. With McGinley, one thing I want to mention, like, so he had he had was quoted with saying, like, uh, there's this really for those who are interested in pursuing more information about this movie or the making of this movie, um, there's a really good documentary that was released called Brothers in Arms: The Making of Platoon, um, and in it, 
McGinley says he basically said like that summer, like Top Gun was released and yep. he was like, dude, we're exactly. fucked. You know, like Top Gun was glorifying war. You know, it showed it in a very positive fun, buddy, mm-hmm. buddy, let's fucking play volleyball half naked. And it's, a, you know, the pseudo love, you know, this love, this love story between two pilots. Um, <laughs> well, Platoon was was really talking about like the gruesome yes. elements of warfare. So like, you know, to see kind of that really take a turn and the opposite of that happened. They were fucked in a good way. Um, it, it's very interesting to me that from an actor's perspective, they're like, dude, we're not going to fu- this took us 10 years to make and it's going to fucking we're going to get it's going to bomb at the box office because of, again, how well the American public took to, you know, Top Gun. You know, and, and it's glorification. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it was it's cool to hear that, like the actors were they didn't come out of the gates being like, this is going to be the best war movie of all time. It's like, oh, we no. knew that we knew that magic was happening on the set. Yeah, exactly. We that, knew that magic was happening on the set. Right. But it's you like, know when we don't know how right. the we don't know how the American public is going to react to this. That's right. the, this is the same garnering American a, public garnering that, awards or, or such and such or like being big at the box office. You know, you can't plan for that. You can mm-hmm. be like, we made a great movie, but then nobody saw it or didn't get good, uh, you know, releasing, publishing, whatever. And shit mm-hmm. happens. But yeah, man. Fuck. How, it's, right? It, Imagine, it, like, looking back on this, like, not, like, thinking it had a chance at being the hugest <laughs> fucking thing. Or an all-timer of war movies. It's insane. Didn't it's see insane. that coming. Yeah. No. I got some there. good I got some good McGinley stuff too, which was <laughs> just pick just picking out McGinley. <laughs> just a good guy doing things. But uh, there was, I mean I'll get those later. I'll get those later. There was this uh there's this really great article um that was released um and it was actually it was an interview that was released uh, earlier this year is back in January. But they they sat down and, and talked with Charlie Sheen about like his experience with like making this movie. And this is it. I just like this sounds like chaos. So he's like, <laughs> quote, he's like, quote, everyone was tired and angry. At one point, we found a coconut grove and four somehow got a coconut. I can still see him now trying to line it up with his machete. Before I could say, your thumb is too close, he swings and hits his thumb dead center. He popped it into his mouth, and two thick streams of blood poured out both sides. It was a scream for the medic moment, and this was still in training camp. Now, he then, he then, goes, on, he then goes on to mention, get this. He goes, we were eating MREs, meals ready to eat, and nobody could poop. He's like, Willem drank water from a river where oh, there was yep. a decomposing oxen downstream, and he had to get medevaced. Tom <laughs> dropped the knife on his fucking foot. It was yep. all getting terribly real, and there were snakes. <laughs> Two weeks earlier, we were running around New York's West Village having coffee, bagels, and talking about Hamlet. Now we're in the jungle with bamboo vi- vipers. Oliver loved it, of course. It's just like, it's, it's wild to me to <laughs> you think You know why that, they were like, talking about Hamlet? <laughs> No, I don't. McGinley was an understudy, I think, uh, for like Kevin Klein doing that play, and that's what he left to be in Platoon. That's fucking wild. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. They're talking about Hamlet. A lot of the guys Uh, were like hanging out and like were were real close after the shooting of it for a while too, and then some of them drifted. But like McGinley and Dylan and like Charlie and I think they said Barringer, like most of them would hang out a lot. 
like on like you know around the the filming of it or after and shit you know before the release mm-hmm. they'd go out to the bars and shit like that and even when they were filming like some of them would hang out like every night after they were filming just go and go down to whatever the city is that they're around hang out in the huts stuff that's like so, that that's pretty dope that's it's so cool that like camaraderie you know yeah exactly it can be built around like extremely stressful and and crazy environment you know right crazy and conditions and shit especially because that doesn't show with all of their characters all of those guys are like against each other so like knowing that they're friends like off the set or something very funny mm-hmm. very interesting good dudes man these guys are good dudes well it's like i i think too like because of the conditions and because they weren't shooting this you know in fucking la or you know in the u.s <laughs> let alone in the u.s it's like that they basically they were literally there together in in a foreign country oh they were far away from their homes mm-hmm. so how they kind of dealt with this you know again what like you said like the the camaraderie that was built they would go go off you know go off set after they're done and they would actually build relationships together um there's this speaking of like dealing with shit on the fly like so i i guess i don't know how accurate this is but apparently in that scene that you were talking about where like Elias has gone down and he, it's the iconic platoon scene. Yeah. Apparently like not one of those blood packs that he was wearing went off in the movie. Oh, dude, none and, of them do. Yeah. And they wanted. And so originally the idea was like, well, do we reshoot it? Like, and Oliver Stone, like basically like kind of sat with it, you know, toyed with the idea. And then like after rewatching it a number of times, it's like, I'm not redoing this. This is the scene. Like, I don't care that none of the blood pe- packs explode. I don't That's care that if we can't see him riddled with bullets. It's like, that. He, he was just like the fourth, the, basically like how, with how much passion and energy that, that Willem Dafoe brought to that, that take, he's yeah. like, I'm not doing it again. You yeah, know, he that's, got, the he got, that's the take. Like, yeah, it's never, it's never going to be better than that. Because again, that's you don't insane see that, that he the, knew the, that. The, in the that blood, moment. the blood packs. No, Willem without did not. that fucking depressing ass uh, theme that's always going over. That sounds like a funeral, you know. Willem had no idea that the blood packs didn't go off, and that's the crazy part about that. He just did the scene. True actor. Yeah, did I don't. The scene. I was gonna say, I don't think you can like feel those. You, you know, the squibs. Mm-hmm. Usually, I, nobody says anything about being able to feel them. So they just if, go off. If they're, right? Yeah, if they're, if they're on your back and shit, yeah, how's he gonna know, right? Just insane. It's just to me it again. Is, it's, it's dealing. It it's dealing with shit on the fly. Too, yeah, dealing with shit on the fly, just like war, man. Mm-hmm. Don't be going fucking Lieutenant Wolf about it, or you'll be relegated <laughs> to being a TV star the rest of your life too. The tragedy of Mark Moses, right there. Well, yep. maybe, maybe just don't fire your agent after platoon and be a cocky motherfucker. That's actually what you, you don't do right there. That's <laughs> that's the tragedy of Mark Moses. He fucked up all himself. But, you know, he got to be in Fear Inc. eventually. So there was that, that one yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, that one scene. <laughs> ah, that's what he got. You got Desperate Housewives, Moses. Hope you're happy. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, yeah, dealing, dealing with shit on the fly in that scene uh, also is like just over an hour into it. There's still a good like 45 minutes that Elias is dead for, Yeah, that, which I like, it never registers until I'm watching it, dude. I literally, every time after that happens, I like 
click the fucking button and see that it's like minute 15 and I'm like, he dies like that early into it? Holy sh- I never remember that when I was younger. It seems like everyone just fucking dies at the end that dies. I don't know, you know? Well, yeah, it's it, again the the with, I mentioned like the pacing of this and like we yeah, see the slow it's transformation still perfect, of but I Sheen's mean, character. Like, yeah, 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 right, exactly. And it's before <laughs> that, dude. That scene. I mean, do we? Can we? Are we gonna jump into the fucking the the victory the podcast scene where it's uh, McKinley, Chuck Sheen, and Kevin Dillon just being huge pieces of shit. Yell, yelling at the guy with the with the the one leg basically dude dude or, so like i know? need i need to talk to you about this specific scene because charlie sheen had a really really interesting uh oh, he, had an he interesting goes look balls at to the wall in this scene man well like, he goes like, look at him like charlie sheen real actor <laughs> Well, he goes, he, he talked in that same Guardian article, he'd mentioned like specifically, he goes, cool, I remember the scene where Kevin Dillon goes nuts in the village with some poor guy. My character was shoot, shooting the ground and losing yep, his mind. And I could see Oliver just off camera, pumping his fist, jumping up and down, wanting to scream, fuck yeah, but did not ruin the take. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, for sure. He, he wanted to react so well because Dude, that gets, scene was so chaotic. He gets and, and beat so red. He gets beat red throughout it. Mm-hmm. I'm like right at that. How about you, Joey? Yeah, I just went. I just passed that not too yeah, long ago. That's why, like, he is. He gets beat red as it happens. Yeah. Like Kevin Dillon keeps like a straight face, which like I feel like is very like the serial killer in the character of Bunny, which makes mm-hmm. it even creepier. But Charlie Sheen is like, or like Chris Taylor, you know, is a little more, a little more of a heartfelt like human being. So when yeah. that's happening and he's getting beat red and is like you know, convulsing and shit, like shaking while he's shooting the guy's feet and McGinley's crying in the background. Like, oh my God, dude. Tour de force of these fucking dudes in that scene. And it's so uncomfortable. It's like, it's so just, oh, I don't like what is happening right now. I don't like this. Oh, it's 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 like... (laughs) I literally hate what is happening, like, in this, as that whole scene just ends up going, though, you know? I mean, I, I think that's oh. really where this movie like fucking shine was the fact that like it did show the actual realistic horrors Brutal, of like realistic well, brutality, a breakdown in language. So there's a barrier there to begin with. So like people don't understand what is happening. They're in these secluded villages. Like it, it, it it's and they not only just... got Johnny Depp telling them what's up. Exactly. exactly. Not exactly. what you want at the time because they didn't know who he was. If this was Correct. like 15 years later, oh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, you know. It was, exactly. It was, a, it was a rough time. He was just Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's, <laughs> it's cool. It's just cool. It's very interesting how they had pulled that off because, like, again, I feel like war movies kind of dip into either one direction. They're either very brutal and they're very harsh. <laughs> Or they are they try and kind of take and champion certain actors and they kind of glorify it. Right. Whereas yeah. this one kind of floats on the middle where it's like, no, this shows the horrors and the brutality and how uncomfortable it is and sad and, and terrifying, like while also simultaneously showing why when vets come back, they are very close. They well they they can oh, yeah. be close with American one another. Snipers. They can be they can be close with one another because they went through that together. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like exactly. that that shows that camaraderie. The reason that we are close and as veterans and and why that camaraderie exists because we went through the shit together. We were there. 
you know, yeah, like we and, understand this. Mo- Dude, like when you're on an acid trip with people that are tripping and people that aren't, you're just like, they don't get it, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Perfect metaphor. Thank you. Thank you. I thought yeah, exactly. pretty good. <laughs> it is true. That- no, like when you're really stoned in the fucking market and you just want to get candy and shit. And your buddy yeah. just like is like, dude, that one, that one person's looking at us, and then you just look at your buddy, and you're like, they don't know. Okay. They don't. They don't know what we are right now. If they don't what, need to, what we ah, are right now. They don't know what we are right now. How's ah, a motherfucker? <laughs> and that was uh, what some of Elias's crew was it, IRL because they were in fact smoking marijuana, but most of those shots, uh, everyone was fucking not stoned and sobered up, and they looked even more miserable. Did it make the film better? Probably. Burnt no, out. they 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 said they said that that everyone was getting high and that like everyone in that it, like everyone was useless. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's what I mean. Like, yeah, they were a lot of the shit they actually shot when they were really really high was it was like when they were first getting mm-hmm. when they first start the scenes for the day were a lot of the takes, especially. In that, like, the first time Charlie Sheen's character is smoking the shit and the opium and whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of those are, like, first takes because then when they're setting down looking at shit and it goes for a few hours and they're, like, so- you know, not sobering up. You know what it's like when you've been smoking weed for oh, a yeah. few hours in the middle of the day? You feel fucking grimy afterwards, dude. <laughs> and a lot of these guys probably didn't smoke weed all the time, so they're just fucking useless. As I am when I do the, these types of things, for yeah. sure. I'm useless if I'm getting that stoned before like 4 p.m. <laughs> I'm I'm no good to you, man. No good to you. It's too funny. Yeah, I know. It's some real shit, but uh, I mean, lots of real scenes in this. Joey, what are some what are some parts that stick out to you, or just like I don't know if I would call them favorites, you know? Because it's hard to be like, oh, I love this scene where it's a really fucked up thing happening. But are there any other ones that just like stick out? You gotta yeah. mention there, there's the scene where um fucking Charlie Sheen attacks fucking uh the uh Sergeant Barnes or whatever. Yeah, when they're in the hut. When yeah, when they're in the hut and like Barnes knows that they know that yep. he killed fucking William Def- Willem Dafoe. Or at and, least uh, uh at least Chris. Yeah, at know, least Chris knows that like he, knows, but yeah. he knows that Chris knows. Yes. And he's like everybody's he's trying to tell everybody, you know. Yep. It's just a super intense scene because he's like, yo, if you're going to kill me, fucking kill me. You know? Yeah, he has to be killed so many times. Yeah. It it's just a super intense scene because you see death. how, how you know about death. everybody gets when he's like walking around the room and he goes over to fucking like Ra's shoulder or whatever, and you see Ra just like fucking like almost shaking in his seat, you know? Yep, dude, that's what Lou was talking about with the dick swinging. Yeah, it's the the other part of the power trip. Yeah, it's the other part of that squad coming in now, and he's acting like he would. Like, you guys smoke this shit, man. I don't need it. Clear headed, you know. All I need is good living. Shit like that. It's Republicans and Democrats, pretty much. That's like Bernie Sanders talking with Donald Trump and Tom Berenger's Donald Trump. Oh, exactly, exactly, Mm -hmm. basically. And Bernie Sanders is Charlie Sheen. That's what I'm getting at right here. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe he was Raj. He's got all the drugs, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Party with Bernie, 2024. Woo! I don't know. That's funny. Yeah, yay for Vermont. But yeah, I don't know. That's a. You're right, dude. That's a. That's an intense moment. He comes yeah. down right when they're, you know, just a good play of furthering the scene or like the intensity of what's surrounding them. But the the civil war between the men 
is growing too and they're yeah. talking shit about someone and right when they're talking shit he fucking shows up behind them like oh instantly intense. i heard you guys talking shit i heard that you were talking shit and you didn't think that i would hear it Dude, that shit is bananas. B a n a n a. The shit is bananas. I know. That's just what I'm. Yeah, I mean, bananas. They bananas in Philippines. I personally don't know. Dude, I think was that a ready to eat meal? Somebody eating a banana. All right, tight. It's a fruit. It's a fruit. Slow listeners, we were mentioning out there. We love you. Bananas and fruit. Oh shit. Yeah, I don't. Any uh, any other ones you got there? That's kind of. That's kind of as it goes uh, on. I, I don't know. I like jumping all over the place because there's like way too much to mention in this movie. Yeah, obviously. It, it's but it's uh, one of those movies where I'm like, I got to like watch it at, to think of scenes, you know, I can't. Really, I mean, the other one I can and once think you watch them, the you're in head. it, you know, you're fucking deep in it once it happens. Yeah. But, the only other one off the top of my head I could think of think of is the hill scene where you got Charlie Sheen running through the basically the Viet Cong fucking taking him down, shooting him as he's running through, you know? Yeah, dude. He or or even, fucking or, even the, or even the scene where Willem Dafoe's doing the same fucking thing. He sneaks through the foxhole and shit and follows that that uh Yeah. That shit. Yeah, that yeah, that's dude, he's just like emulating what he knows their tactics are. That's what's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Psycho, but not you know, not the it same. Works. <laughs> it, it does, does work. work. It does work. Jinx, you owe me a Dr. Pepper. But um, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to jump back to the beginning and mention something that I always find jarring in war movies, where like Lou was saying, uh, he's showing up with his nice shiny red hat or shiny blue, <laughs> shiny green hat, if you if you will, and uh, hasn't had. You know, hasn't been scraped by anything. Baby-faced little boy goes past the ghost of Christmas future or yet to come or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Mm-hmm. And how he's got how the he's got the big dude with him. You know, he's got the other private. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, he's showing him his girl and shit, and then shows that he's got another girl he's jerking off to anyway. You know, because she's pretty uh-huh. or whatever. I like that moment. <laughs> but the uh, the word one of the words we love to use here the how jarring it is that we see two privates come in to said platoon within the first battle. One of those privates is dead. Yeah. yeah. Just, just like, does that, does that hit you guys in the way of like, we're following Chris's character because he's the one that didn't die instantly. Mm-hmm. Instantly. I mean, that, first like on the, the line, man, like, and the guy gets that scene of backstory, like showing him his girl. Like, do we need to know who this guy is? Yeah, because he's gonna die in fucking five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, ouch, sickles, dude. That's just uh, the the you know the fragility of man, of human, of the human form, right there. The opposite of a Doctor Manhattan, if you will. That's like <laughs> that shit gets to me, dude. Right at the beginning of the movie, that yeah. it's I'm unsettled. I'm instantly aware of like how this movie is going to go. You know, it kind of makes you think like how many how many times that happened. Like people just touch down, they're there for like four days, they get their first like piece of action, and then bam, you're dead, dude. Like saving, instantly saving saving Private Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Every single one Literally, of his brothers, exactly. the second they fu- jump out of the plane, those guys are dead, and they're, they're just, just like. Down we need to find that one other fucking Ryan. I hope he looks like Matt Damon, like, <laughs> you know, at a convenience yeah. sake, because we know Matt Damon, we can find him. 
it was just, oh, dude, yeah. It's really, it really unsettles me for a little kind of just, oh, it's the first guy who dies in the thing. Meh. It's like, but it's, uh, yeah, he's also it, like baby face motherfucker. It's also one of those scenes that kind of like sucks you into the movie, like right from the get go, too. Cause it's like, cause it makes, at least me, cause it makes me think of like that type of shit, like I just said, like how it's realistic, just, you know? Yeah, how realistic how, how often this movie does actually this like, seems, you know? Like it, there because we'll never know because we weren't there you know yeah it's dark dude yeah it's and all the dark. guys are like still feel for him like they all like when the dude's pounding his chest like stay with me and shit and you yeah know he's not the camera jumps to showing all the guys faces and they're all still butthurt even though they just met this dude and we're calling him a fat fucking shit you know mm-hmm. yeah damn man yeah fucking war super intense <laughs> the cisco kid war it's just you know what i mean you know what i'm saying dude. It's <laughs> slipping into darkness war it's just it is what it is lou any other any other ones you gotta you gotta point out i was uh, one for one i said mine you say yours <laughs> i mean i've been talking i've been jumping all over the place um, i know that's why i, I think... was like yeah fuck it i don't care i'm trying to think no, of it as we're going on because no, there's I, just I, so I much think, to say i think to your point too where you know, you're talking about when they first arrive and it's kind of the two of them together. What I find very interesting is that it literally takes that motherfucker to die to where you start seeing essentially Charlie, you know, Taylor getting taken under the wing of Elias who gives him kind of the real talk. Like you don't need any of this shit. Get rid of this. You're carrying too much weight. Like endearing smile gives you a boner. He's nice. it's, It's really, I always thought that that like showed kind of the turnover of like how many people actually died or washed out versus when you finally make it past that point, your first gun battle, the first night, whatever you make it past that, that first goalpost, right. Or mile marker, whatever your virginity spot. And then from there you start to just, now you're being brought in. You're not just a, you're not just cannon fodder, you know, like you don't just show up and fucking die, which a lot of people did because they're fucking, inexperienced or whatever they had shitty leadership you know just As a they number say, of different things when they send him out there they're like he's like you gonna send me out with all the new guys i just got tonight mm-hmm. like they're not prepared for this shit yeah that first one man exactly. and, that, and that fucking yeah like can i jump into some camera work here because like insane camera work to build suspense in so much of this movie yeah mm-hmm. obviously like just from that scene of Charlie Sheen wrapping himself in his fucking like green towel when he sees the Viet Cong getting closer, that back and forth of like he's in the brush and then he's not. And as you've said, Lou, like they're portrayed like it's completely dark, like they are the scary, you know, the villains that we can't see. Mm-hmm. Almost like a horror movie for times. That shit is crazy. And then there's a. Uh, uh, when Barnes actually like shoots Elias, I always think it's like a dream sequence at first because of how the camera goes back and forth and then shows like their eyes and eyebrows. And it's like the second he changes from that pensive look to like the I don't give a fuck motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He get he gets shot. It's like exp- it's like all in the expression is what was just like, I'm going to kill you right now. And the and the camera bounces back and forth between them, and like, dude, I don't know that it's weird. I always think like he's gonna wince and then open his eyes, and it's like not Elias that he killed. It was like a Viet Cong or something, you know? Just mm-hmm. 
just some type of like fucking you know dehydration uh dream or whatever the fuck <laughs> that shit yeah. is when you're in the desert what am i thinking of <laughs> a mirage mirage dehydration he, he dream acted with a mirage it was a dehydrated dream i like that dehydrated dream you know it dude that's feels- a that's a hot box pizza moment that is a hot box mm. pizza. But I knew that I couldn't think of what I was saying in the moment. Joey sticks with it. Joey sticks with it to this day. <laughs> Tries to reason with the shop owner. You ever had the... a hot box pizza, man? There's a couple roach clips on it. Shit, dude. <laughs> Dustings from the, the fucking vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that's, uh, what, that's funny. That's what I imagine. Next, next no, time yeah. I know to ask for ready slices. Ah, you're good. You're good. Everyone knows now. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, dude, that that camera shit. And the same with when Barnes and Chris are going at it, and that whole final scene with the lights flashing, and how the mm-hmm. camera will like jump with it to show you certain things that are illuminated that were not a second ago. It's a really just a really good way to like, I don't know, build the intensity and let you know. Like pe- people about to die, shit's going down, you know. Sam Raimi type effect shit with the camera, just like that slightly crooked, off-centered fucking lean of the camera to just make things a little bit psychotic, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a king. He's a king at doing it. It's a really big horror element, I feel like. But uh, yeah, those are just a few moments I need to point out because that's uh that's some stuff from Ollie and whoever maybe the first uh AD was. Good for you guys. Doing your jobs. <laughs> Way to do your jobs. <laughs> Way to do your job. Should I even be thanking you? It's your job. Yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just some stuff I uh some stuff I gotta point out before we stop pointing out shit. Huh? Guys got guys got other things, you know. Who who were you saddest about dying? Who was your uh favorite soldier if you have one? Or you know, I don't I don't know how to put that exactly. Uh I like Keith oh, David. Man. Keith David yeah. was a cool guy, fun character. I can't even think off the top of my head. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Keith David as well. He was he was a really cool character, man. He was always there, you know, like when you needed him. Yeah, it's good homie, and they're dealing yeah. with all the steady racism throughout most of it. Clearly, mm-hmm. or you know, in the in in real life as well, obviously, but like in the in the movie, like yeah, there's a lot of those like. <laughs> You know, the the fucking line of like, man, what we do for the white man and still like never get thanked or anything like that. It was just like, dude, yeah, the plate is old as time that always just makes me like, ah, these these fucking sh- shitty dick swinging white dudes that are just assholes to everyone. Reminds me of high school, man, literally just the military aspect of like how many kids I went to high school with that were like that. Mm, just pieces yeah. of shit. Hope they didn't grow up to stay like that because they're just full blown pieces of shit, dude dicks to everyone i'm on the football team so uh yeah i have 12 inch cock basically it's Mm -hmm. like nope nope we've seen the showers it's very below average okay (laughs) (laughs) nothing weird going on there that guy looks like mine hey okay it's like my pinky yep exactly (laughs) i just fucking hate you know it just really yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to say anything for the people watching Platoon that felt like they were on Barnes's side or anything, but maybe just reevaluate what you're doing if you still think like that. I'm not saying like Elias is anything better, you know, for being the 
the hippies you want to call it, but Barnes was a fucking Philistine and you guys need to realize you're a piece of shit. So everyone out there, you've had an internal battle now. Thank you for coming to our Ted talk. Uh, (laughs) What what, what else we got? I get, you know, Dale die. Dale die was here. Dale die is uh, a military assistant for a gajillion fucking movies. And he, he has a part in this. And he put them to that through the two week boot camp to get everyone ready. And they were sleeping on fucking rocks and <laughs> were miserable as shit. And it was for sure one of the first. And that's what Spielberg basically did with Saving Private Ryan to make sure all those guys hated Matt Damon because Matt Damon did not go to that boot camp. And that caused the rift right there. Uh, all the rifts we see in this are all of them being together. And it's just the camera picking up on realisticness and being shown through a different lens that's like a double entendre if you want to think of it that way but uh we're, we really we really see the the shit that these guys went through and what Oliver went through I guess in real life is for sure uh portrayed in this movie I think so at least uh I don't know about you Lewis but you chose this so I'm sure the pit of the giant pits of corpses shown at the end of the movie really makes you feel like oh they're near Cambodia Right. Mm. Well, th- uh, what's I know? I know what happened there. Like, right. Well, the thing is, I, oh, I, I think with not. throughout the whole oh, process of, of like, <laughs> all right, motherfucker, uh, taking this, taking this <laughs> in, it's like, oh. I, I think that's why I enjoyed it as much as I did when I had first seen it. It wasn't just because my dad fucking sat down and watched it with me. It's because it was going to it was going to touch on things that i would understand later in life but i liked it because it was so intense and because again there'd be the fun the fun moments and you know charlie sheen's taking a hit out of a uh, basically a literal shotgun hit through a fucking gun yep. of weed and it's Classic, it's this whole dude. thing and then there's you know there's these intense sequences of of nighttime battle and dudes are cleaning out fucking shit bowls like it hits all elements <laughs> of it and then as you get older you start to really understand like no this those moments in the villages and interacting with those people like this is this is the true brutality of like what war is and like Mm -hmm. having seen so many like war movies growing up and having that be a huge part of like uh, you know my life Uh, it was just like this was like nah it's like this this shit hamburger hill like you know as i mentioned like uh fucking apocalypse now it's like you know these were the these were the things that i knew were gonna always be up there as far as like nah these are my favorites full and I metal think jacket full metal jacket yes which Intense. full metal jacket almost feels like that's like could have been split into fucking like three movies oh almost. of course yeah, three yeah, separate yeah, yeah. movies three separate um, movies combined into one for sure it's why you know capturing the full experience but like you mm-hmm. know i i think i think with when you get to the real realness of it and it moves away from just like, no, this, this is more than just the U S troops that are there. This is more than just like when you see those moments where it's like, again, the torching of the village, you know, the, the basically the fucking with the townspeople. And then you see the bodies, the bodies upon bodies. It's like, that's when I think, I think Oliver Stone did a really good job and like, didn't purely look to go into shock and awe. Yeah. You know, in some movies, it'll just be like the sheer destruction of war and it'll pan across. And there's these like not comically large, but like this was like it sh- it, it's the complete package of what war does to people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just take one road by doing that. It literally hits all of them. 
And like, that's always the grounding moment when it's like, no, the, there are trenches of corpses. Like oh, yeah. same thing Absolutely in full metal jacket trenches. when they're standing above the graves and stuff like that, that whole sequence yep. where, oh, you know, he's dude, taking I pictures. Know. Um, you got a peace pin, you know, you got a peace pin on your helmet and you've written born to kill. What's that supposed to be? Some kind of sick joke, you know, like there's that, <laughs> that whole, that whole right? idea of like the mad TV dude or the, on his one on his helmet. Correct. The yeah. it, Alfred E. Newman, um, Alfred E. Newman. Yeah. Thanks. It's, just, it's <laughs> That that aspect of like what this movie captures because I was not in Vietnam, you know. It's like I, oh my, my god, knew people, what? my parents knew people that were in Vietnam, and like I've never really had the opportunity. Like my uncle was, for example, but like I never got the chance to ask him what it was like, and I don't think he would tell me. You know, like the people that I have talked to about war, it's like my grandfather. It's like he just talked to me about the smell of like corpses in the jungle and how crazy that was. Just sweet sickly sweet smell of rotting flesh decaying flesh so yeah. it's like when, uh, when 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 you like when you talk to a vet or for example like when i talked to my grandfather about that you know he was in guadalcanal philippines and stuff like when you ask vets and that's where i think hollywood walk can walk a very fine line and and i mentioned like war movies take like one or two paths right you know like i said they glorify it or it's like overly brutal and it's like when I I have somebody that like like my grandfather who like fought in the Great War you know the, literally the World War Two like the war yeah that, that everyone yeah, remembers yeah. and and it's like to to have his one thing that he remembers he's like the smell of of rotting people that's what I remember I don't remember the big ships that I was on I don't remember repairing airplanes I don't remember shooting any aircraft weapons I remember the top the smell of <laughs> the smell of death. Like that to me, like, and that's why it's like sometimes making a war movie, in my opinion, is like not a good idea. It's almost like it can be very bad for your career because like, right. It it can be, it can be portrayed very poorly. You know, like Like, like, think think about you can lose your mind doing that shit. Think about, think about like, I know at the top of this, it's like, you mentioned like green berets. It's like, Green Berets was a fucking, it's a great movie, but like at the end of the day, that movie is a war propaganda. Oh, and that's exactly what the war propaganda and was like, fuck this bullshit. And he wanted, and he wanted the realistic portrayal. And that's that's specifically the movie that made him be like, I have to turn exactly what I did into a movie. Yeah, exactly. He felt like obliged almost back then. Oliver Stone, very different human being now, obviously, Mm -hmm. but, uh, almost on the side of like activism to a point back when he was in the war and experienced this shit, you know, it's, it was very, it was very important to him. It was a message he needed to let people know fucking Forrest Gump showing Vietnam, dude. What? Like, and then one day it just stopped raining. Uh huh. Chocolate. Bubba. I love you. Lieutenant Dan lost his legs. Like, yeah, well, why don't you think about that in a more fucked up way of Lieutenant Dan losing? Let's think about Lieutenant Dan's character. After mm-hmm. that shit happens, the man is fucked up for so mm-hmm. long, dude, because yes. of what he went through. And you got it being shown through the eyes of beautiful Tom Hank, you know, and his storytelling. So, like, yeah, it's just watered down. That's not it. Mm-hmm. It's John, John Wayne, man. John Wayne. It's like I said, it's, you know, like war movies. Everybody's always... got to die sometime, pilgrim. <laughs> One hand tied around their balls. Pilgrim. It's just it's That's it's a type of thing. Like. This yeah. this movie was definitely Take like the pain pilgrim. 
this was this was it as far as you know it's up there so but yeah yeah and it was probably the first at the time that's what i always think of specifically is mm-hmm. like uh ones you were mentioning bridge on the river kwai on uh on the waterfront etc cetera, etc cetera. this is like this is the vietnam movie this is the first like hey look at what happened in vietnam america well i think i think that apocalypse now started that trend because it showed like kind of the breakdown of like this human psyche when faced with like like what war does because obviously like it starts in vietnam and then it quickly moves into the jungles of laos and mm-hmm. you know cambodia, cambodia and it, it walks that time. yeah walks that kind of fine line but i mean that's also indicative it's like the u.s was also bombing cambodia because essentially like the north vietnamese were crossing through cambodia and laos uh, to the Ho Chi Minh Trail to so that they didn't have to directly face the the Arvin, the South Vietnamese forces, and like the U.S. They were literally violating uh, territories, you know, lines oh, yeah. of uh, that would separate countries to go around it. It was just like anyway. Um, yeah, I think that that definitely started the trend of like, no, war is terrible, and people go insane and they do horrible things. And then fast forward to now, it's like now this is a look just at the horrors of Vietnam not mm-hmm. the horrors of humans. And it still incorporates right. aspects of that, you know, with the, the, again, the opposing forces of both Barnes and Elias. Um, but no, I, I really, I really fucking enjoyed this movie. I would 100% recommend it to people who want a taste of not only like good acting, good writing, good, great cinematography. Oh uh, um, yeah. It really just has everything, you know? Yeah. 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 It, it for for a war movie too. Besides like even, women, besides women, my bad. Just want to say this movie has everything, but it does not have women. In it, it does not have it does not have women. It's definitely a very bro moment uh, yeah. throughout this whole movie. Bro down, um, dude. It's a Saturday we are broing down every single day on the set Correct. of Platoon for the boys. Dicks out for Platoon, but you know it's it's, it's a, a type. Of, it's definitely the type of thing where it's like even people who don't like war movies, I would recommend that that they check this out because. Is as we had, as we pointed out this entire podcast, it's like this is as probably real as it gets in a in a Hollywood format. Mm-hmm. That's what always is going to hit when it comes to this movie. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's what's going to age, or you know how how we we always are talking about like was this done with the right actor? Could someone else have done it? Does this shit age well? Yada yada yada. You know, this is about a moment in time which we've discussed with like Tombstone and stuff and it's going to age because that's, it's our history. Mm-hmm. Whether you want to, you know, wa- wash it out or try to get rid of it from school textbooks and shit. Now, like it happened. We have to tell mm-hmm. people, we have to tell people about that. That was Oliver, uh, you know, a few years after he did this, he was writing it and it took almost 15 plus years to finally, you know, get filmed and then still was pushed for like a year or two is mm-hmm. just a fucking process to get out like not even not just a passion project just like a you know the people people need to see this people need to know what right. this is like essentially yeah i mean yeah. it's the real it's the real deal if you uh if you want a movie that's like that that's going to fucking hit you hard in the feel sickles right because it's it not, is real it's not just it's not just an overly violent movie like a hamburger hill which still is well shot it's still very like the yeah, the, the dialogue is, is good great. but Ham- hamburger hill is brutal it is it's extremely brutal. fucking violent yeah um and it's gory it's so, very like, gory that's sure. that's what it, I that's of. that's a type of thing where, where this 
again, as I had mentioned, like earlier in the podcast, like this floats in between kind of the two, um, uh, you know, of those extremes of like extreme gore and violence and, you know, essentially glorification, like this movie floats right in the middle. Um, and then you combine that with an all-star cast, great writing, cinematography, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, thus fucking platoon, (laughs) you know, like, boom, just great. You have an Oscar-winning writer already now manning the helm, steering mm-hmm. the ship of what he experienced, like destined to do something, destined to resonate somewhere. Let alone like uh, you're saying with McGinley and them shooting it. Like, how's this going to be once it comes out? How's the public going to receive this? Like, yeah, no, destined to just be seen by everybody mm-hmm. and to you know. Uh, deserve the acclaim that it received I say this isn't one of those best picture winners that you're looking back on it now like nah fucking there will be blood should have won that year or something you know like mm-hmm. this was undoubtedly the that that this was the movie that year mm-hmm. nothing right. n- nothing no one was no one was taking it this was the Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight supporting actor Nam you know everyone knew he's he's getting that posthumously Hundred percent, you know. Oh yeah, that's what I think of with this. Whether it's best picture or best director, like one of those two, it was a shoe in. Once this movie came out, guaranteed. When people saw this shit, it's just powerful, man. Powerful movie for anyone out there that knows powerful movies. And if you're down for it, this is one we haven't covered too many. So you know, not a lot of laughs to be had, but there's some little sprinkles of comedy more throughout the beginning and middle. Maybe I'd say. Yeah, I would agree with that. Amongst the camaraderie and stuff, you know, but but yeah. it, it but it gets real, man. It gets real. I'd couple this more along with like some of our serious horror movies, like that we've covered. You know, more serious. I'd you know less comedy, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more down that path than it is uh, of a ha ha. This is fun. Charlie Sheen, he's a man at work. Ah ha ha. Garbage men. No, that's another movie. You guys, you put the wrong movie on. <laughs> It's him and Emilio. <laughs> You're wrong. Sorry. Nope. So so I've so I've gotten out uh what I feel like I need to get out. Yeah. Joey, I agree. Do you need you need to squeeze anything? You need a toothpaste you dick? Just No. Simple. To the point. Simple. Terse tactical and to the point. I love it. Yep. Yes. I uh I think I was too depressed to really look for what a last line of this movie was because I do not have it written here. And I realize, <laughs> but who gives a fuck? We jumping on to the facts section. If you guys are all good. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, Oliver Stone wrote the first draft of Platoon in 71. That's what I was saying real early on. And he sent it to Jim Morrison thinking that maybe he would want to play the Charlie Sheen role trying to do one of those turns from, you know, musician, actor, back um, and forth. And apparently people found the script on Morrison when he was dead in Paris because that was, I think, that like the next year was when that happened, 72 or 73, something like that. And yeah. uh, just funny because it's Oliver Stone and 1991, The Doors, he did it. <laughs> Not oh, with Jim shit. Morrison, you know? Yeah, same dude, same guy. Crazy. Oliver Stone wrote Scarface and he wrote Midnight Express and he won the screenplay for, uh, or won an Oscar for the best screenplay for Midnight Express. And that was like a decade before 
platoon. So, like I said about the destined for greatness part, yeah, people already knew like this dude probably in the movie world. And it was like, oh, let's see how this fucking war movie, you know, there was some, there was hype. Like, Lou, I know you like talking about the hype behind shit sometimes, especially when it just falls flat or whatnot. Like, I know in Tombstone we got into that, and it's like, everyone knows this movie, but, like, didn't fucking nail it at the box office, you know? Just that type of thing for when it came out. There was for sure hype behind this, because, like, let's see what Oliver Stone does next. And it took him a while to, like, do his thing. There was for sure... Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I think, I think it's definitely the type of thing too. like what makes this kind of, I, I don't want to say an anomaly, but as we mentioned, like war, I think in, in American cinema, it, it's really kind of had a little bit of a tumultuous history because we were all inundated. I mean, the majority of those movies that like I had mentioned that we had talked about, you know, that we've seen, um, the, you know, basically the entire John Wayne uh, filmography. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. those were always taking a very light approach. So it, it's it's very fascinating to me that not only that this took as long as it took to be released, um, but also like upon its release. But, you know, everyone fucking hated Oliver Stone by the end of this movie. The making oh, this yeah. Movie. But then it's on like on purpose, though. on purpose. But then to it's bring like, it out of them. Yeah. Like that's then it gets like a... then it gets released. And it's this, you know, it's heralded as, you know, one of the greats. Mm-hmm. You so know, it's... Is what it is. And that's what I was going to lead into with uh, saying about, you know, that and him winning his Oscar for Midnight Express uh, much earlier he when that happened when he won that oscar he became the first vietnam vet to win an oscar or maybe uh or maybe it was when he won uh for best director for this movie actually i meant to say he was the first vietnam vet to win an oscar for best director crazy because clint eastwood did win for best director and he served in the army during the korean war but never actually stepped foot in south korea so oliver stone is like one of the few guys that was like in the shit and then mm-hmm. goes on to direct a movie about it and is the only one to win an Oscar for best director about that. So that's what that has to say about that. That's pretty dope. Self-explanatory. Here's a little tidbit from a, a fact from the movie toward the end of the film. When the reinforcements arrive after the battle, uh, Ra. You can see the Francisco Quinn uh, character reaches into a dead Viet Cong's breast pocket and pulls something out and looks around nervously while he puts it in his pocket. That, ladies and gentlemen, is heroin. And a lot of the Viet Cong soldiers used heroin as a painkiller, apparently. It's big over there, you know, Tropic Thunder. They didn't get everything Mm -hmm. wrong, I guess. And a lot of the troops would end up finding it and pretty much would end up doing the same thing. And if you guys remember, he was kind of the one that was uh, like, you know, uh, not like in charge of the drug shit, but it was kind of like he's the one that like brought the shit that they Mm -hmm. were smoking or whatever. You know, he was kind of like the drug dealer of the crew, it seemed like. Was what they kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't notice that until I literally, like, until this view, I think. I didn't notice that moment of him, like, doing that. And it was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's a fucking junkie, dude. 
and like he you know nothing nothing to say about it because he's one of the few that makes it out at the end and he's looking at charlie sheen when he's flying away like with the <sighs> spears it yeah yeah, yeah. like he, yeah he fucking made a dude full-on psycho like yeah that dude is on drugs all the time for sure you know that was what yep. i saw of that and i really thought like oh that lends a lot more to his character that is always there but they don't really they don't give him like any backstory if you think about it really they just they drive what you see him in the movie with and the shit. You don't really know anything about like there's not a lot of those moments with him alone with like Chris where they're talking mm-hmm. about like what they left behind in the US and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that definitely lends a lot to it that uh that I had no fucking clue about until you know, one of these recent watch throughs. And we can jump on to a more positive thing. Like uh, you know, in a scene that's incredibly not positive, the Viet uh the Vietnamese child that Kevin Dillon and Charlie Sheen are shooting the you know or whatever messing with in the hut, uh, he had cataracts and the family was too poor to pay for the treatment. So reportedly, Kevin Dillon and Charlie Sheen felt so bad that they pulled some money together so that the boy could have surgery. That's, not uh, not actual shitty dope. people. See, Mike was wrong when he was young. <laughs> Mike was wrong. Exactly. It's so cool, like hearing about what was going on behind the scenes of, you know, any movie, but this crazy mess in particular. Mm-hmm. And how they all just loved Dale Die, but like hated a lot of the other Marines that were training them, and fucking everyone hated Oliver by the end of it. Obviously, you know, but he was just he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He definitely apologized to a lot of the guys afterwards and had to like have like a makeup session, you know, and like lost his mind on set countless, countless times. And like Dale Die and him would just go off and they'd have a little like breakdown session, you know, like like cry it cry it out because those guys were in the shit. And they're going through it right now. Like imagine filming a movie about what you experienced and then you're seeing it like back in this realistic lens, like what that would do to your mind, you know, that's why I mentioned American sniper, that shit of how like the fucking, he almost beats the dog just cause like he hears a noise, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. man, it's crazy. We can't fathom what that is like if we're not there. It's not just, just like with women having a baby and what you got to go through, you know, no women in this movie. So I'm, I'm finding some inclusion there for everyone out there. Uh, we won't know we don't know her body her choice also we will not know what that shit is like so <laughs> oliver stone back then maybe an all right dude nowadays yeah i don't know another story but uh it co- it comes out and it shows and it's facts that's why this is the facts section also i just type this shit into google and read it off because this is a podcast called indecisive opinions so don't take anything we say too much to heart but this is the fucking facts section, man. It's the facts section of where we learn about Dale Dye being a military consultant for a numerous amount of war movies and how he starred in this film as Captain Harris and also was one of the door gunners on the Hueys during the church ambush. And he had a visor down to disguise himself because he has another role in this. He was a lot of the dude's handling heavy machinery that was being borrowed from the Philippines in this movie because the U.S. military or the U.S. Department of Defense, to be exact, 
was not down with this film and they're like you cannot borrow our stuff no thank you a lot of military equipment you see was loaned from the armed forces of the philippines and so they need a professional to handle this shit if they're going to actually be you know legitimately using it and firing off rounds like it's fucking tropic thunder or like fucking verner in that one season of entourage when they're doing smoke jumpers you guys know what i'm talking about out there victory Johnny Trouble. But seriously, uh, yeah, the U.S. Department of Defense was like, fuck yourself. And also, Vietnam was like, fuck yourself, because they banned this film from there. <laughs> Did not like the portrayals that were happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, let's see. Aside from the editing of the film, uh, some lady, Claire Simpson, uh, oh, I believe she was one of the people who did editing and won an Oscar on this film. She, she is the one that suggested Oliver Stone use uh, Samuel Barber's Adagio for strings. That is the, that is that score that we hear constantly. You know, I love, mm. you love talking about scores that come and lose. Is this one better than the Starman one? Are you really feeling the depression of this yeah. fucking, like funeral procession? Yeah. I like how it's, I rhymed that and yes. plan for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one that hits every time that shit comes on. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned the Charlie Sheen one that he had, or Chris Taylor, you know, character on his helmet. When, when I, I die, die bury, bury me, me upside yeah. down so the world can kiss my ass. Yeah, I didn't know if we mentioned that one or not. That one's funny. Uh, I think it was uh, Moses who had the Alfred E. Newman one. Mm. Well, what's what's crazy? What's crazy about that? And they is just that... started doing that throughout filming. Like Oliver didn't know, basically. Well, that was that was the actors doing. It wasn't the costume yeah. department, which is yeah, very. That's yeah, that's exactly. why that's interesting. Is that like they each oh, were yeah. allowed to do that? You know. Oh no, Oliver it. didn't know, and once he saw it, he thought like he thought specifically the Mad Magazine one was hilarious, and was just like, "That's great." And uh, you know, he allowed some of the you know what you want to call them liberties, artistic freedoms of the actors in another guy's movie because it's Oliver's movie, and these guys are just acting in it, you know. So. uh mm-hmm. You let some shit fly. It's pretty crazy. I think awesome. uh, I think a cool one was that originally Charlie Sheen was turned down for the main role of Chris and who was, in fact, uh, in talks for it was Emilio Estevez, mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen's brother. Who knew that? Oh, he, was offered, he was offered the part, but, you know, that was in the, the uh, what have you, purgatory era of the few years of where financial problems and you know people dropping on and off whatever couldn't uh couldn't get the movie to go ahead right away so two years later when uh it was ready to go milo estevez doing other stuff we got to find a new guy charlie sheen came back read for the part he got it chuck sheen actor man read for the part and got it boom perfect real actor 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 Indeed. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a good it's a good chunk of it. I think the for a second when they had that debacle, they wanted Johnny Depp to be Chris Taylor because it was just like, you know, clear that he was a movie star ever since mm-hmm. anyone knew him, basically. They make a joke about that in Entourage where like fucking uh Terrence is like, I showed Sloan platoon when it came out because Oliver wanted constructive criticism and Ari's like you showed your daughter platoon when she was eight years old (laughs) and it was like yeah and she knew Johnny Depp was going to be a huge star the second he stepped on screen and it's like 
Nobody fucking knew that. Shut the fuck up. That's <laughs> he has like five minutes in it, and it was just like, ah, you know, I I get it. It's Johnny Depp, you know. Yeah. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's going through some shit right now. Let's start the hashtag. Get a lot of listeners on this episode. Johnny <clears throat> Depp. Woo! Heard that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was in talks of it, but basically no one knew who he was at the time. And it was like, look at this cast. We need a little more of like a complete no name, you know, because no one knew horror movies and shit. That was it. He didn't even do like Crybaby yet. I really don't think he did anything else. So, you know, missed opportunity, you think, because he's going to go on to be huge or not anyway. But I think I think Charlie Sheen was perfect for that role. And Johnny Depp's fine, and he's fine because of it. I'm sure he just liked being involved and being the translator. I'm sure he learned some good uh, Vietnamese out of it. That's what I like to imagine. He seems cultured, you know, when he's not fighting with his wife constantly. (laughs) Shit happens. And speaking of shit, Tom Berenger's lifelike scar required three hours of makeup every day for shooting. Jeez. Always fun. Way to go, Tom. Way to sit in that chair nice and you know, uh, still <laughs> for three hours constantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we mentioned Apocalypse Now exclusively filmed or extensively filmed in the Philippines. Uh, the whole over monologuing is basically like taken from that. Martin Sheen did it first. Charlie Sheen then does yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah I, you know, eh. I think that's about all the crazy things I got. Besides like, you know, crazy other interviews you guys can or you folks out there can look up about this movie and the documentary Lou said, there's a lot of good things. If you really want to learn more, uh, this movie was shot in like a month and a half. They were in the Philippines and got everything done. Pretty crazy regiment for any type of movie to go through as like an actor, you know, and just being on set with skeleton crews going to do fucking night shoots and sleeping in the dirt on rocks and shit. Crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. What? A fun time is what nobody said about this. <laughs> what a great film is probably what they said. But uh, those are the facts. Next is the games. Ooh. We haven't exactly discussed the Oscar situation entirely. So I'll let you guys answer freely. Um, do you know how many Oscar nominations platoon received and do you know how many oscars it won how about that um, i'll guess i i i yeah, will take guess, a guess. <laughs> i'll guess that it was nominated for eight and it won five or no one no i'm sorry it won four okay yeah i mean huh. jo- i mean joey you, you know you can you can piggyback, or if you have, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it was nominated for like six, and they won four. So it's still won four. You guys both think it won four. Well, you guys are both right because we probably mentioned all of those four already. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, this is a good segue. We're the king of the segues. Fuck Paul Blar. He ain't got shit on us. So we got best picture. We got best director, and then we have best sound. And best oh, film shit. editing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's pretty legit. Yeah. The sound of this movie is really good. The sound the and the editing there, definitely there, are big there's things. There's always something going in the background, like whether it's gunshots or like missiles flying overhead or some shit like that or p- helicopters or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's true. It's stuff you don't think <laughs> stuff you don't think about. But um for nominations, there was eight. Uh, I think one oh, of shit. you one of you said that, which is cray cray. Mm-hmm. And so Ooh, you fucking nailed it. Four of those were wins, obviously. You guys have any idea what the other four were? We briefly mentioned some. What were the four oh. noms that did, didn't win? Huh? Any idea? That I don't know. Well, it's exactly what you'd think. Best cinematography, best writing, screenplay written directly for the screen, and best supporting actor roles for both Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger. Oh, damn. But they did not, neither of them came out on top. Pretty crazy having two guys in the supporting uh, spot, though, when there's only five there. Yeah. So you got two from one movie taken up. Because, you know, neither of them, Charlie Sheen's the lead. Like everyone mm-hmm. else pretty much is a supporting role, you know? Yeah, pretty yeah, much true. Like like how we were nailing down ensemble or not, air quotes. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to to do with a type of movie that has this many people in it. I would have to put them yeah, I can't put one of them over the other. So I would have to say they both be in the supporting category. And uh hey, Oliver Stone's won for best screenplay before. I'm sure he's not hurting too much on that. And we've mentioned the cinematography just being crazy mostly based off, you know, the sequences of the camera flying above and jumping back and forth, capturing the real the land. Yeah, it's just a shoe-in, as they say. But for a nomination. So happy to be nominated, I'm sure. And very happy that yeah. there's there's four wins about it. So um so hey, that was all for shits and giggles. I have this little game called Stone and Friends. Ooh. That's a it's it's stone stone and friends or or stone and friends, you know, however you want to take it, to be honest. Um Lou, I'll have you go lead off, but this is gonna be less serious, whatever the fuck you wanna call it here. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a movie, and what you have to do is guess the amount of actors in that movie that also starred in Platoon. Oh, shit. And for bonus points, or, you know, each you get one point just for getting it right. But I will also give one additional point if you can name one of the actors that is in this other movie. Some, some, of, these, uh, some of these will probably be obvious, but Joey, I'll get the, it's the same thing for each one. I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys get one, you know, just to guarantee if you don't guess the amount of how many people are in it? You can maybe yeah. garner, garner up a point by knowing who naming one person basically. So, okay. we'll f- you'll you'll get the hang of it. Might sound crazy because it's new, but got to make up some games sometimes. And Lou, there's a film that we have mentioned previously called The Doors. It was filmed by Oliver Stone, mm-hmm. and it stars uh, Kevin Dillon as the great. <laughs> I'm glad that we both didn't say Val Kilmer. Not like I'm glad. You know, it's just funny. Like, no, yeah, no. We love Val Kilmer. We've covered him. We covered him. We, we did it. We did it. Uh, so when it comes to The Doors film from 1991, mm-hmm. how many people are in that movie that are also in Platoon? Give me a number. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to go. Oh, thank you. That's the game. That's a good question. I'm going to go with... <laughs> Yeah, he can. Yeah, th- think for a couple seconds. No, I'm gonna. No. I, I, like I'm gonna go saying. with. I'm gonna go with three. <laughs> Is it a question? 
with it you. is a uh, I, I'm Ron Bergen three. I'll go. I'll go with. I'll go with uh, three. All right, Joey. You can still. You can also guess. He just gets the priority, but you can't guess um, three. Got to guess anything besides three. You can guess seventy-two. You can guess zero. You can guess sixty. I'm, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with two. Damn, I thought you'd go with sixty-nine. All right. Well, so each of you, Lou, you got the priority. Name one actor that you think is also in Platoon and The Doors. Uh, obviously, our boy Kevin D. Lon. <laughs> Lou thinks Kevin Dillon is in both of these movies. Okay. We'll see how that plays out. Joey, you get to also name an actor if, uh, you know, if you can think of one. Is, you don't have, oh, you man. don't want to, obviously, but, but you can't say Kevin Dillon. So... Think, of who's, in, think of who's in platoon and just you know name somebody. That's I think that's the best way to play. You can get lucky on this. Um, there's some luck and there's some skill involved in this because I'm, I'm sure you've seen the Doors movie at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time though, man. Yeah, this would um, be a good one to cover. I'm, I'm gonna go with Johnny Depp because he plays guitar and he's in a band. <laughs> that, that is actually <laughs> that's good logic behind that. That's sound logic. I like that. I like where you're coming from. So what I have here is two. Ooh. Joey, you've garnered up a point. (laughs) (laughs) But of fun news to all of yous, there is another person, as we've stated. Kevin Dillon is clearly John Densmore. Johnny Depp is not in this film. Oh, but he plays guitar, dude. I know. You're right. <laughs> doesn't make, no. Sound logic. Sound. He's just like, but Joey is like, he's like me, though. Why can't we? <laughs> also, John Densmore is in the movie The Doors. <laughs> the real yes. John Densmore. <laughs> yes. Shallow and pedantic. Uh, Mark Moses. <laughs> Mark Moses is in the doors. He does return to work with Oliver in brief moments, and that was pretty much what he did when it comes to movies for the 80s and 90s, as we've mentioned. TV guy, fired his agent, fucked up big time, thought he was the shit. Yeah, didn't work. So you guys both get, you you got a point each, though. You guys pulled some shit out there. Hell yeah. We got another movie up, and Joey, you'll get to go first this time. So... Are you familiar with a film called Point Break? A little bit. All right. All right. Because I need two meatball sandwiches. Oh, man. <laughs> Utah. Give me two. Exactly, dude. So how many people from Platoon do you think are in Point Break? I will give you a hint and say Lori Petty is not in Platoon. <laughs> um, that's, that's all you're getting from me. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one. <laughs> I love like <laughs> uncertainty every time you get. I'm gonna say is three a number that exists? <laughs> is is that a possible choice? <laughs> <laughs> all of them are. You can guess infinity if you want, my dude. Uh, you, you going with one? Want to go? With yeah. One? 
All right, Lou, how many people besides one, since Joey's got that locked in, do you think appear in the film Point Break? Not the remake, uh, another 1991 I, film. Here. I will go with two. I'm a glisten in my father's testicle, as we've mentioned, in 1991. So while we have two for Lou and one for Joey, I will now let y'all guess your actor that you think is in this. Joey, Which who are you going to name for Platoon that you think is in Point Break? Um, Gary Busey does not count. Damn it! <laughs> uh, was it John C. McGinley? Johnny Mag- Johnny Mags. Yeah, we got Johnny Mags for Joey. Who besides Johnny Mags do you think is in Point Break, Lewis? Uh, I'm gonna go with Keith David. Ooh, Keith David, Ooh, good one. John C. McGinley was my guess. <laughs> John C. McGinley was the guess because he was in Point Break. Holy shit. Oh. Yeah. He literally plays a guy named like John McKinley Harver or something, too, which is funny. He gets to, <laughs> gets to keep most of his name. But um but hey, there's two people in it. Who said two? I Lou. did. Lou said two. You guys. Guys, both got points. Hell yeah! Guys, oh. both got points because Keith David is not. But harder to know, Chris Peterson, who played Crawford in the movie. If you guys, you know, were positive, he's one of one of the surfer guys. Uh, talks about surfing in uh, when they're dealing with the shit buckets. So literally, oh, yeah. so yeah. you were, dude, yeah. you were as you were as close as you could get, Lou, because that whole scene is Keith David, Charlie Sheen, and this dude. And That's he's literally fine. talking about surfing, which I thought was funny. So, yeah, you know, if you think you know the guy, but you don't know his name, I don't expect you guys to know fucking Chris Peterson is. I didn't know that was his name until I looked it up. But his main two credits are Platoon and Point Break. No shit. I don't know if, I don't know if you knew, though, Lou, this dude is in Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Oh, uh, you're talking mm-hmm. uh, Chris Peterson, the dude who plays Crawford. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah, exactly. Those are his top three credits on IMDb. So, you know, some of them are tough, but hey, you guys both got points, so we're doing good. Boom. Lou, Lou, I'm going to jump back to you here. My Uh, guy, the film we have up is titled Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. I'm just kidding. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Nice. So how many people from Platoon are in the great Hmm. Fast Times only about five years earlier? Fast Times is actually bef- before this, before Platoon. So we're jumping farther into the past. How many do you think? Infinity, zero, one, two, three, four. I'm going to say one. I'm going to give you a hint and say the guy who played Damone was not in Platoon. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I can fix it. You can't fix this shit, Spicoli. I can fix it. That shit is so funny. Uh, What do you think? If not one, Joey, you got any other numbers? Um, You think two, you think negatives. I'm going to say two. All right. He's saying two. And if we had to choose an actois to get some points, Lewis, what actois would you like to choose from platoon? That could possibly be in the film. Fast times are rich, but I, so not only is this person an actor, but they're a performance artist as well. Uh, <gasps> they're, they're in the music group uh, Living Color, uh, 80s, kind of like fun, whatever shit. Uh, Corey Glover. What? Corey Glover? 
Yeah. Wow, good for you for knowing his name. It, well, dude, in in all fairness, the reason why I know his name is because I've been seeing the same ads. This dude goes to like Comic Cons because like he's been in movies and he's also a singer. So it's kind of like that. Meet someone from you know from Platoon as well as more importantly like Living Color. Like they had a hit, you know. They had a hit. Yeah. <laughs> they they had a hit. I just yeah, that was funny. I just realized like how you specifically phrase that honestly um <laughs> all right so cory taylor has been taken up has a has glover. a small po- glover glover oh, why did i say who's the fuck is that the dude from like slipknot cory yeah taylor? i think so yeah 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 uh, yeah was, it is that was funny <laughs> what, where did that come from <laughs> i don't know i just said his name wrong i i didn't know he was related to danny glover i guess uh yeah who, who knew that cory glover is who he's got uh so joey who do you think from oh, the crew. Shit. Shit. Dude, I I, I don't know. Um and you want to guess Chris Peterson just for the heck of it? I don't know. Like I, <laughs> name um, someone from Platoon. <laughs> uh fucking Force Whitaker. Um uh fuck. Charles Jefferson. Took me a minute. Took me a minute. Big Charles Jefferson, football star. His car gets destroyed by Spicoli, and they decide to pretend it was the rival school who did it to really make him win that game. Uh, Corey Glover is not in this. That was Earth, Wind, and Fire that they go to see in Fast Times, Lou. Maybe you were mixing that up. Uh, (laughs) But there is, in fact, only one person in this. So, who said one? I did. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah, it was the joke I was getting at where you guys have been tied the whole fucking time, and you know how ecstatic I get about this. All right, so who are we fucking on to now? Uh, Joey, I think it's your turn. Yeah, dude. So we have a film, little known film here, called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Not sure if you've heard of it, but, you know, just take a whack at it. How many people you think, eh? Platoon, Ferris Bueller, boom. Um, Three. Yeah, that's a number, all right. Lou, can't pick three. Uh, I'll go... Uh man. Uh, I will say that there were two. And we got we got a what three and two. Joey, you got an actois you think you know from this? Um, um John C. McGinley again. I will accept Ben Stein. All right, can I get can I get anyone? Mine? Anyone? Yes, you can guess yours. Uh, Charlie Sheen. All right. So there are two people in Ferris Bueller. Who said two? Lou did. Lou said two? <sighs> Lou. You've pulled ahead. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlie Charlie Sheen. Uh, um, Joey has not seen Ferris Bueller often or as many times as I have, which is a lot. But there is a very pivotal scene where if you are asked why you're in a police station, you got to say drugs because Charlie Sheen is in that police station because of drugs. Yeah. Are you here because of drugs? No. What are you here for? Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. Also, we have mentioned this Richard Edson character actor, the guy who drives Cameron's car away with the other homie. He was in Starsky and Hutch when we did our top four game. Boom. He is in two minutes 
of when they find the abandoned foxhole in this. And he's like, let's get out of here, man. And they trigger the booby trap. Richard Edson. Mm-hmm. That's him. Yep. Didn't expect you guys to get to that, but you know, not everyone can uh, have pickles on their fucking burger. So Lou, you've, you've jumped ahead in a surprise, serious victory of a, a, a victory. Just kidding. It's not over yet, but I got another one. Um, and you get to go first this time, I believe. So we're jumping back to Oliver Stone Madness. It's the movie Wall Street. How many people from Platoon are in Wall Street? Luke? Are in Wall Street? Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with two again. Again, you do again. And if you can't do two, Joey, what can you do? Um, I can do one. You know what? Those are numbers. And if you had to guess one of the two, Lou. I'm going to go with Charlie Sheen. This is an insane route we're going down. I don't know why you think he's in so many movies. He got canceled like years ago. But all right, we'll go with that. Uh, Joey, who do you think, you know, who's buddy? Chuck Sheen and Oliver Stone. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is indeed a person who was in Platoon. But (laughs) if you followed what you have been doing, who's been guessed a couple of times, Sir John C. McGinley is also in this movie. Yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. Yep. And Charlie Sheen is uh, the the main character. Big surprise, surprise right there. But do we know how many other people? I've said two. How many did you guys guess? I guess two. Ooh, close. We're going to go with three because Oliver Stone was actually in his own movie. Mm, tough break. Oh, guys. shit. I know, right? Isn't that funny? Because he is uh, he is in Platoon. He's, he was also uh, uncredited in the Doors movie as well. What? Yeah, uncredited. Doesn't count. No, I'm com- uh, I'm com- I'm completely fucking with you. I'm not going to count Oliver Stone as being in his own movie. There's uh there's what? just there's just two people, Lou. You've taken you've taken the game. Hell yeah. And uh GG's Lou. GG, yeah. the super serious game that we were GG. playing. That was fun. I like that. Yeah, I had a I had a tiebreaker or two, but I don't know. I wanna, you know, do the thing. So Victory! Victory! Yeah, we gotta close it out on that moment, dude. And also how they've been, they're on that right now. They're on that episode, dude. It's like the greatest episode. That is legit. That is legit. One of like the best episodes of Entourage, if not like one of the best Johnny drama moments, let alone just Kevin Dillon being a tour de force. It's so fucking good. Everyone jump out there. The resurrection season three B Entourage. You can do it. I think it's episode six. Don't quote me. I can't know absolutely everything by heart, but Hey, it, war, as we've said, war. Thanks What's it good for? Uh, a greatest nothing. Hits. Oh Why yes. Can't we? Be <laughs> it? Just, I think I ran out of war songs to reference. 